in this episode. I learned that it's not a good idea to try and make friends with anyone who has big eyebrows because <laughs> behind the scenes, they're, they're probably up to no good, killing people, <laughs> stealing whistles and stuff. <laughs> Welcome. You're listening to Paleo Cheese Podcast, Episode 12, Part 2. Just before dawn with Dan Padavana. All right, so uh, just before dawn. This is a mm-hmm. this is a movie that Dan picked. He gave us a three of them. This is the one we chose, and uh, it is uh, from 1981. It's uh, about a group of friends who travel out to some remote woods in Oregon, where one of them has inherited property. in In typical slasher fashion, they're warned a few times heading out there, and but they go anyway. Uh, and this turns into a bad decision for the group, unaware that they'll be fighting for their lives, their makeup, and their whistle necklace. And it's directed by Jeff Lieberman, who, uh, as I mentioned earlier, wrote and directed Squirm, um, which I, I just recently saw. And it was written by um, Mark Arowitz and Jeff Lieberman. Um, this is the only thing Mark has written. Other, he's acting in, a, I think, in a few things. And then it stars, most notably, George Kennedy and Greg Henry. Mm-hmm. Most of the cast went on to do some popular TV shows before yeah. and after. Even, what was it, uh, Greg Henry's like in Guardians of the Galaxy and, and some, other, yeah. some yeah. other big stuff. It was interesting to see how many of them were actually on similar shows. Oh, you mean like Nats Landing and, oh, yeah. And I thought, you know, Dallas. Murder, mm-hmm. She Wrote. Uh, a couple of them were on Perry Mason. The Rifleman. But then you had some like... When was it on In Living Color, as well as Highway to Heaven? I thought, I'm like, oh, look at that. <laughs> so, and, and, and Batchel was on Duke of Hazard. Mm. Yeah, man. We're back. We're back yeah. to that. We're, we're back to it. <laughs> and Laverne and Shirley and Knight Rider. I'm like, that guy, that guy's really rocking it. And he did a bunch of voice stuff too, like Happy Feet and Babe. You know, Megan wasn't so, I mean, she did some stuff, but it was more like Walker, Texas Ranger and Atlas Shrugged too. And I'm just like, oh man. But, you know, interesting character though. I think, I thought she did pretty good in this movie. Yes. This was Dan's suggestion. And, you know, a lot of people, I I think we've mentioned this before. I know we mentioned it before the show, but, you know, one of the things that we like to do is, you know, a lot of, a lot of people come on, you know, people like Dan or, or Mallerman or Lansdale or. You know, any of these individuals, they they do a bunch of shows, you know, and they go on. And a lot of times, you know, not to not to knock on anybody. It's just it's human nature. Right. I mean, it's on radio. I, I've done it, you know, where you have people on. And it's kind of the same questions. You know, it's a lot of the same. It's hard to be original, you know, and, and to throw something out there that really gets somebody on their toes or thinking or outside the box. And so we, we thought, well, we want to have people on. But what are we going to do? And we said, well, why don't we, why don't we review a movie with them and talk to them about books and what they're doing in their life that's just kind of everyday stuff, kind of like Dan talks about, where he says, uh, how did you state it, man? Let me see here. I got it. Uh, when you read one of my books, I want you to feel like you're sitting around a campfire with me at midnight. The sweet smell of wood burning, the fire crackling like a bullwhip, and a full moon chasing the shadows back to the woods. Just remember to save me a marshmallow. I like mine light brown, like cinnamon toast. And I thought... <laughs> That's what we're trying to do with the show. <laughs> we, we are. And, and so, but the idea is like, well, look, let's have them on. And at first it was like, well, we'll give them three ideas. I think we did that with Mallerman. 
right? We, we gave him three suggestions for movies, and I think he picked uh, November. Um, and it was really cool. But then Chad, I think, is the one who came up with this idea to say, why not let them pitch the three? And so you gave us three, man. What Name those three for us there, Dan, the three that you proposed. Okay, so I threw out two which are, are definite cheese, uh, humongous, uh, which I believe was either 80 or 81, uh, The Fun House, which was uh, Tobe Hooper, uh, which I believe was also around uh, 80 or 81. And then there was uh, this one, uh, Just Before Dawn, which is not easy to find, as we mentioned at the outset. So I wasn't sure which one you'd end up picking. I was kind of hoping you'd go with this one. Uh, the other two would definitely be fun from a cheesy standpoint to have some fun with. But this one, I, I've been interested in, in slashers since I saw Halloween, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, and I probably went through all those movies back then. But somehow this one passed me by. I never saw it in the theater. I sincerely doubt it came to my hometown. I don't recall seeing it on HBO or any of those pay channels back in the day somebody happened to mention it to me on on a horror board i'm gonna say 15 20 years ago and immediately i heard oh, okay well 1980 81 that that was like you know before things really got out of control and got stupid in in the slasher genre um that was kind of like the golden era if it's from that era i definitely want to see it and and just about everybody raved raved about it so i i found it on dvd and i immediately fell in love and it's far more than a slasher movie it's definitely a cut above uh the normal you know pun completely intended um i think the direction is fantastic uh i think there's there is excellent symbolism all the way through and it's just you know creepy as fuck too you know it does what a horror movie is supposed to do if you read the story it's based on a story by joseph middleton and i guess that i didn't know yeah it's yeah, right at the beginning of the film it says it in the in the credits at the beginning and i i made sure to write it down real quick i'm like because you know I don't want to jump the gun on that. So I'll, I'll, I won't say anything more about the beginning just yet, but I saw that and I'm like, you know, so I had learned that apparently the original story is what the original script had to do with. It's cultic, right? It's got voodoo. There's a snake and demons and stuff. And some of that original script stuck in there, which is why you end up having curious characters the the yokel locals on the mountain <laughs> talking about the devil rise and stuff yeah. you know that is the leftovers from the original script that was based more directly on the story by joseph middleton but i've never i you know i'd never heard of this movie i'd never read the book and now i'd love to you know i i don't know because they say it's so different <laughs> they say that's what the director he he, he said I'll, I'll do this movie on one condition and that is that i can dramatically change it <laughs> so yeah. so i don't know i mean you know i don't know if i'd like the book as much as i do the, the film. yeah it was it was about i think about some kind of like voodoo curse that had to do with like twins and they mentioned that some of the dialogue was kept in the movie from the original manuscript which leaves you like all of the you know oh it's a demon and the, the devil rising and stuff which kind of doesn't make sense unless you know what was there before and then there was even mention of you know like when they're going down the road and they see a, a set of twins they're like why are there so many twins around here well that was left over from the you know thing but when I watched it uh, the other day, I'd, I'd never seen it before, never heard of it before. Um, was totally down for watching it. My initial thoughts within the first 10 minutes were like, the movie itself doesn't have a lot of soundtrack. It just has, but it's got that kind of whistling noise. And it's got Whistle. some real ominous, you know, 
ambience going on and everything. But as far as music, there's really not a whole lot. But right at the beginning, there was a cool like synth wave, like Tangerine yeah. Dream type of song yeah. that was played uh, beneath that like whistle and the, the sunset and stuff. And I thought, oh, that's a really cool song. I hope they, there's more of it in the movie. And there wasn't, but which was a little disappointing. But I did like all of the the rest of the kind of ambience and stuff. And even though the you know the opening scene with the guys at the church, they're supposed to be fixing up the church or whatever. At first, when I was watching it, I was like, okay, this is this is fairly typical so far. These guys are kind of you know they're drunk, they're kind of silly. But I felt like they're right off the bat, their dialogue was a little bit more intelligent, even just for just for being dumb dialogue. Because I've seen a lot of slashers, and the writing is not good in most of them. The dialogue is not good. The acting is not good. And I suppose maybe that's one of the reasons why people enjoy them, you know, because you can point and laugh. But also, I don't I don't know if anyone gets scared of anything like that nowadays, but uh, at least from the old ones. But um, you can enjoy and kind of know what to expect. But at the same time, something like this comes along and you know the scene with the, the guys in the church and the one dude looks up and sees this creeper looking at him yeah. and i'm like all right i don't have to wait to see this thing he's not in a you know first person view through a bush with a heavy breathing which has been done to death you know they just showed me this dude <laughs> and not only that but the the victim the soon-to-be victim saw him too that doesn't happen ever either it's usually a bush moving or a shadow going by or something like that. So when I saw that, I was like, I think this is probably going to be a little bit different. I was really pleased by that, like right off the bat, seeing that it done like that. And it was it was kind of unsettling, too. In part of that probably had to do with the fact that I, I wasn't expecting yeah. it to go down like this. In some ways, it had some standard cliche stuff i mean i oh for sure it is the first time i've ever seen a machete to the crotch yeah 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 right out the bunghole it was was the type of thing from you know from the early 80s where you know for the shock value and (laughs) they they did definitely went for it yeah at first i was like oh okay yeah he stuck him in the gut whatever and then and then they showed him behind i was like oh that wasn't his gut (laughs) no dude (laughs) he's getting a serrated prostate exam Right yes. Now. <laughs> oh, dude, the serrated knife too, and that yeah. and that voice that yeah, it was so creepy. That <laughs> voice, and it's it was like kind of when it's coming out, it was sawing at it. And I'm thinking, dude, bro, like this is like I was I was down, you know, I was downstairs in my office, man. I you know it's lit up nice and pretty right now, but man, I I turned off all the lights and stuff, and I'm watching. And as you guys, as I already said, man, I haven't watched a lot of scary movies, so I'm kind of like I'm kind of still the kid who has never seen anything like this. You're not quite as desensitized. No. And so when I saw that, when I saw a homeboy peeking through that hole in the roof, man, I was like, bro, my hair just kind of went white. And I said, oh, this is weird, dude. And the thing, he didn't, it wouldn't have been as creepy to me if it was like a clowny, a scary clown. You know what I mean? Like scary clowns freak me the crap out. I'm not down with that. But that dude up in that hole was like kind of a normal guy, but you could tell he was messed up. Like something ain't right with this dude up there. And what's he doing up there? Why is he peeking down? But the conversation, like you're saying, for one, I loved the music in the beginning. I thought that was awesome. And I liked, I thought that, the, I thought that the sounds, which were mostly natural and classical instruments. And some of it was just uh, the guy who did it made noises, even with his own mouth. 
right? And then just kind of put them to a, yeah. yeah. And I thought that was cool. But the conversation I thought was great, you know, because, you know, they got one of them's drunk or maybe they both are, but one of them's really hammered. Okay. He's like totally trashed. And he looks up there and he sees, like you're saying, he's the victim and he sees the dude up in the hole and he's freaking out. He goes, there's something up there. And the guy goes, amen, Uncle Ty, amen, like this. And but it was so, it, I could imagine that in a real conversation in that place. And I said, that is believable, you know, and, and within the first 10 minutes, you got the cool sun scene and stuff. You got the weird kind of dystopian trip there with the kids, the twins in this car that's all wrecked, like a almost third world looking, you know what I mean? You know, and so... It's uh kind of creepy and everything, but then you know you got the creepy guy, you got the the knife to the crotch and bunghole, and then you've got the car, the truck being pushed down, and it hits the tree, and I I loved it, man. And that's the maybe the tackiness, the, a little bit of cheese in it, where that bugger just explodes like yeah. the punch is like <laughs> big time, you know. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm like <laughs> nobody would drive. <laughs> it's like maybe maybe this was before nader you know what i mean like nader's like he's like look man i watched this movie (laughs) you you come in your driveway a little bit too quick you know you kind of tap the drive (laughs) (laughs) boom that's it that's it well you never you know those those fords are terrible (laughs) you know there's something to be said about um and i brought this up before i don't know if i've brought it up on the podcast but there's something to be said about scary things happening in the daytime. And I would argue that they can be much, much scarier than when they happen at night. And it's because to me, when something happens at night, you there's hope for the morning. There's hope for the daylight to make things right and make things better. But when it's as bad as it can get and it's daylight and you've only got night to look forward to and crap's hitting the fan in the middle of the day, and a lot of the scarier, more un- un- unsettling scenes and, and the deaths happen right in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it only get worse. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. Very yeah. good point. Like those, Jeremiah and I have talked about those ghost hunting shows. They they rely heavily on on, on the dark. I mean, they shut the lights off to like kind of like uh, get in some manipulating mode of, of being scared. It's like, do you, we really need the lights off to hear a ghost? You know, yeah. it's, it's more about just setting the mood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this movie didn't. This movie didn't play that game, and yeah, yeah. that's another thing that really set it apart from a lot, of, a lot of other slashers. You know, the killings almost always happen at night or in dark areas or whatever, and this just wasn't the case, with the exception of, you know, some things were happening, but for the most part, most of it happened right there in broad daylight. No, I think in a lot of ways, yeah. the movie probably yeah. resembles Deliverance more than it does like Friday the 13th. That's what he was going for. Yeah. 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 The, the writer was going, or the director was going for was, yeah. He claims to have not seen uh, Texas, Texas Chainsaw or. We call it Texas Chainsaw Murders. Oh, right. Yeah. So yeah. he wasn't even like really aware of the title. Right. Everybody ended up at that time, I guess they compared it to, to Friday and he hadn't seen that either. And I believe him. I, I don't think it resembles Friday that much, except for the fact that it's a backwood slasher. Yeah. And, and they were also comparing it to, um, what's the one with Michael Berryman, who plays Pluto? I can't remember the name of the movie. They, re- they remade it. There's a couple of them. Um, the Hills Have Eyes, I think is what. Hills Have Eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he, hasn't, he, he claims to have not seen that either. And, okay. you know, Friday the 13th came out in, what, 80? 80. And they were filming this in 80, um, you know, Maybe it wasn't even 
showing by the time you know everything was written or anything but to me there was just no the fact except for the fact that it took place in the woods and that there were you know younger adults that were getting together to to do something i I just don't see any kind of comparison and i would argue it's better than friday the 13th the original one they're very different movies obviously friday the 13th is is almost like a nonstop party uh, where, you know, you see it with your friends and you jump at all the, the jump scenes and the popcorn goes flying. Uh, whereas just before dawn is, is uh, if you really want to be creeped out and feel like you have no hope, this is probably the movie you watch. So it's a totally different demographic, I think, that they're targeting, although they ended up getting both lumped as slashers. So you don't think that they were, because of the cast, were essentially the same age as the people that were murdered in Friday the 13th? True. Yeah, I mean, it is the same deal, you know, send the teenagers out to the woods and uh, they get hacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Friday the 13th, even though the first two, to me, are absolute horror classics and a ton of freaking fun, just so much fun to watch. They were written as, well, I know we can't be Halloween. I know we cannot be that brilliant. Mm-hmm. Let's get outlandish. Let's get Tom Savini and let's just make the most crazy scenes and just have a blast with this. And we'll get people to jump out of their seats. And so to me, it's like a roller coaster ride. It's just a lot of fun. And there are some good scares, but it's not really horrific in the way that like The Shining is horrific or The Exorcist is horrific or even Just Before Dawn is horrific. I think the the reason why I like it so much more than Friday the 13th, and don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Friday the 13th fan. I love all of them, with the exception of... The Manhattan one you love. Oh, gosh. Anyway. (laughs) um, I I, I just, I felt like after seeing so many slashers, you know, and just having so many of them be the same and all of the same tropes, you know, from Bloody Valentine to Friday the 13th to... For me, Halloween is a standout. I mean, yeah. nothing beats that. I've got a definitely a special place that in my heart for that. Just the enigmatic nature of Michael Myers not speaking and that, that plain mask just really did it for me. But I just felt like, mm-hmm. I guess I was just kind of blown away that I hadn't heard of this and that it didn't do so many of the things that the other ones, you know, I already mentioned about everything's in, in daylight. But there's no uh, jump scares. They do quite the opposite. They allow the viewer to remain in the suspense because the victim, yeah. you know, the waterfall scene where you see that guy in, in the, oh. in, you know, beyond just barely beyond the waterfall or one of the best scenes ever when that chick's getting fondled and she looks off and sees her boyfriend on the shore. It's like, you know, oh. there was no, neither yeah. one of those were jump scares. There was an, I think there was another scene where, the guy's creeping around with a lantern and you see the guy behind him and mm-hmm. Friday the 13th and in, in at Halloween, all of the bodies are discovered through a jump scare. All of yeah. the people are killed through a jump scare. I thought it was much creepier to just see something and they go, Oh man, I felt like it was handled better and just much more intelligent. It was refreshing for me being mm-hmm. a fan of slashers into not to be bored by, I, even though I like slashers a lot, I get really bored with the whole creeping down the long hallway and looking behind doors and then go to the next one and looking. I get really bored with that. And <laughs> and uh, this didn't do that either. So, and if it did do it, 
you got to see what was going on. Yeah. You know, it wasn't some cheap scare. Underwater fondling thing is kind of a like an urban legend type deal. It's yeah. almost the hook for the hand story. Right. Um, actually, I think the the movie that that is comparison uh, would be best comparison is there's a scene in The Haunting from 1963 mm-hmm. where uh, one of the characters, uh, the females, is is uh, she thinks she's holding her boyfriend's hand, I think, mm-hmm. and, but he's on the other side of the room. Yeah. And it's like if I'm not holding your hand, whose hand am I holding? You know, oh. says that. Yeah, just you know the thing that it just sends you know shivers down your spine when, <laughs> so it's a, it's a great scene, uh, and of course the cinematic you know portion too where he, where he falls you know down from the waterfall and into the water. Yeah, is gorgeous, really yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, I like that. And the and the scene where the the big reveal of the twins, where mm-hmm. the chick is yeah. watching after yeah. dude gets killed, she's watching through the window and seeing the dude mess with the camera or whatever, and then behind her you see another dude looking just like him. Yeah, and uh, that was awesome. That was an awesome. Reveal, I didn't know awesome what the shot. heck this was. I I thought it was like is is he a spirit? Like I I wondered. Like is this dude like a a ghosty monster? Like what's up with this? And, you know, I mean, like I think the closest thing to that misdirected fondling, not knowing exactly what's going on thing that I've ever seen in a movie was planes, trains, and automobiles, and that wasn't scary. <laughs> like, is your hand between two pillows? You know what I mean? Like, no. that's not even close to Those same. aren't pillows. Those aren't pillows. Ah. And so, like, you know, but to see <laughs> to see this, man, and it was what had me, I mean, I was biting my nails the whole time, man. I mean, I'm just probably raw at this point on my hand. I need Band-Aids. But, like, the thing is, what got me is that over and over and over again, there would be like, for example, the RV, which is super dope, by the way. I kind of miss that those things. I I like that. It was like a, it was like a Battlestar Galactica RV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's going up this super narrow road and stuff. I'm like, man, yeah. they're off road with that bad boy. You know, <laughs> it's like MC Hammer at a music festival I went to got stuck in the mud doing something like that with his big bus. But you know, the thing is, is like the bad guy jumps on the back of it, and and you know that happened but you don't know what's mm-hmm. going to come up and you keep i kept thinking like when when they would go in oh i forgot my glasses and they go in i'm just thinking oh boy's toast you know like oh it's over and no it wasn't it was just another really creepy scenario where it's like oh that's a close one or you see the you see the dead person's hand in the church mm-hmm. in the back of the church but they just smell it but you know kind of thing mm-hmm. and they they do that a lot and then they they played on this thing and, and the scenery, by the way, was just amazing. I was, I was so beautiful. Yeah. It reminded me of Twin Peaks, actually, like the the, yeah. the waterfall and stuff. Waterfall and I actually, had, stuff, yeah, yeah I, I looked it up to see. But what's so amazing about it is like they would say things, for example, like um, when they're walking across that that little kind of rope bridge, right? And he's talking about how easy it is. Well, as the, you know, viewing it, I know that's not easy, and I'd be crapping a load. If I was doing that, I am terrified of heights. The whole idea of that is no way kind of thing. I'll swim. I'll walk miles to get around this. But so he's saying it's easy and they're going across that. And then he's like, but don't look down because the waterfall will consume you. In other words, like it'll devour you. So then the very next scene, it shows the waterfall crashing against the rocks. So the Mm -hmm. viewer is drawn into that now. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they go back up and and they, they do that interplay back and forth with kind of setting you up and then dragging you down into it, then setting you up and dragging you down into it. And one thing that really 
I thought was interesting was when they're all around the campfire and it's in the beginning in Constance, the girl, she's, she's freaked out, paralyzed by fear. And this is at night, right? And she's, she's looking, she's hearing this rustle and she sees a hand around the tree and stuff. It's too, totally freaky. And then the dudes come jumping from behind her. They don't come jumping from that side. They come jumping from behind that. her. Right. And it's like, she knows that it doesn't answer the problem. Something is, how did this happen? Kind of thing. But as a viewer, that paranoia level is now heightened. And so mm -hmm. it seemed like with everything in this film, it was just a constant building of paranoia. And, and these little hints that give you like the, the waterfall, just so many things like this or walking by a door, but that time the door doesn't open. Just, it, it was loaded with it. And it, it kept me on the edge of my seat, man. I loved, I, it was really cool. You mentioned some of the script that got held over from the book. And that that line about why there's so many twins around here, that was obviously a your little clue for for the big reveal later. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't catch it the first time I saw the movie. I think I, I watched it a couple times before I. Oh, that's what they were talking about. That's that's what the that's what the meaning of all that was, because at the time it seemed like it, was, it seemed out of place. You know, why are they talking about twins other than other than to say um, this is just uh, a lot of inbreeding around here? So <laughs> the, the, the uh, it did, like you mentioned, Dan, it, it did still have some um, cliche stuff in there and some some mm -hmm. some real cheese in there. And I think that really started when um, for me anyway, was when the chick asked her boyfriend to go search the forest for her makeup. It's like <laughs> you guys are. Are you kidding me? You know, I think a raccoon may have taken my makeup. <laughs> go look for it out in the woods oh okay I, I, i'm on it because there's a chance you'd find it if the raccoon really did take it yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so he just it's like he knows right where direction to head i'll just head this way and 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 i'll go looking for it so yeah that was like the first kind of like real dumb move yeah or the movie that it was i even thought the acting was pretty dis decent in that day it, mm -hmm. particularly for the final girl man she was great yeah oh yeah, deborah benson yeah she was really good mm -hmm. and um yeah, I thought that, you know, your your typical creepy guy, like in Friday the 13th, you know, it's got a death curse. This guy, I mean, there was like two of them, really, in this movie. Where there was the drunk dude, but he he kind of had an excuse for being crazy. He just he's traumatized, he's in shock, and he's wasted. Mm -hmm. Then you had um, the popular actor. Oh, George had, Kennedy. Yeah, you had him doing that. And um, mm -hmm. he wasn't like an oddball dude. He even had a cool, like, character development about him he was into you know bonsai trees and trimming them and he had a horse and he lived out there mm -hmm. talk to the horse yeah mm -hmm. yeah and so it was, yeah, it was Agatha. cool yeah. i thought all the character development was great i i just there was something about it that you don't see a lot in movies like that i liked his his he didn't have that many lines in it kennedy uh but yeah. he had the one line where he said um he's warning them off of course and he yeah. says uh the mountain don't read I like that line because I think you could take it a lot of different ways. And I think in some ways he's referring to the killer, you know, yep. and, and just, they're just these yeah. backwoods and, uh, and that too, I think is very Halloweenish. ish even though there's two killers, there's ciphers, there's absolutely no reason that they're out there killing people other than that they love to kill people. Yeah. Um, you know, before the goofiness of Halloween two and uh, you know, Michael Myers yeah. and Lori is really his sister and all that crap. I hated that. I hated yeah. that swerve. It was great up until that point. 
uh, I just hated that that storyline because to me, Michael Myers was a hell of a sc- lot scarier as the boogeyman. We didn't know why the hell he was doing anything that he was doing. Yeah, and that's that's the you know the two killers in this. I mean, we watch Friday the Thirteenth. Well, you know, mom's killing because they they drowned Jason. But how does she not know that her son is still lit alive, just kind of swimming around in the lake, waiting to get bigger and kill everybody? I'm, I'm yeah. not, and that I never understood that part. And yeah. then he's killing everybody because they killed mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And all those other movies are usually based on you know something happened at prom, <laughs> right. you know? or somebody got uh, burned, and they come back and they butcher everybody. You know, twenty years later. Stephen Graham Jones is probably maybe the biggest slasher fan that that I know. I mean, the dude is just. All of them. He's probably seen this one 20 times. But he said something once about how they're all motivated by revenge. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's outliers. This would be considered an outlier, but the filmmakers probably don't consider it a slasher. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if Freed can, can make The Exorcist and, and say it's not a horror movie, it's a drama, then uh, this guy could certainly make a movie and say it's not a, not a slasher. But the, of course, the term, I don't think it was even a term in 81 probably not but yeah if you think about it so many of those movies they were like ones that you just been you know like jason the prom night movies you know they're motivated by some type of revenge whether it's justified or not and it's strange too to look back on a lot of those movies and and try to piece together what was going through the director's heads or the writer's heads they all received the same criticism back then besides being crap they were uh, highly misogynistic and you can see that in a lot of the scenes where, you know, uh, we've got these full frontal nudity uh, yeah. of, of, all, of all the women, you know, or, well, they're supposed to be teenage girls, of course, uh, usually played by 30-year-olds. And yet, for some reason, though, though they were very exploitive uh, towards, towards these, these women, they always wound up, or most of the time wound up anyway, with these really powerful final girls who ended up saving the day. Very yeah. few male ho- uh, heroes in the old slasher days. Yeah. Very few. So yeah. I'm not yeah. sure how to, how to interpret that. I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> you mentioned earlier about the foreshadowed twins. Mm-hmm. I think there were a couple other things that were kind of interesting in hindsight. Once you've seen it, you go, oh, okay, well, think about this. You have the, the drunk guy, right? Um, Ty and he's, which is a, to me, that was a real cheesy scenario. You know, what's coming after you demons, you know, he's been drinking and he's like, you know, you got to take me with you. And they said, can we take him with us? And it turns into a serious conversation. I mean, people would be avoiding that guy like the plague. Um, it'd be a really <laughs> scary situation out in the middle of nowhere, but they, they're, they're feeling badly for him. And they said, well, Hey, he's really hungry. He's going to starve. And the guy throws some food out for him and he says, he's going to die, but not of starvation. He doesn't die. He doesn't die. I thought it was an interesting thing that that scene, that guy ends up dying, right? Uh, um, but but not not the guy that everybody's kind of right. thinking he's toast. Yeah. Because initially you think that this guy's a red shirt. He's wasted. He's, he's making, wasted. He's making an ass of himself. He's going to yeah. die. Which was yeah. great that he sees he's, the, his laughter when he sees the, the one of the mountain twins jump on the back of the, mm-hmm. the RV and he's just cracking up. But another one, would be the bonsai situation where he's grafting the tree, right? Um, he's, he's talking to himself about minor alterations and not disrupting nature too much. Mm. And yet in the end, he says that this was basically inbreeding, that he says that these people yeah. were inbreds. So these were not minor alterations. They mm-hmm. disrupted nature dramatically, mm-hmm. okay? 
And I thought that was interesting. I thought it was interesting too that he named his his horse Agatha, which is the etymology of the word goes back to the meaning good. And it was an interesting kind of horse too. I actually wondered. I was like, I don't know if, I, if I'm pronouncing it properly. Uh, C a m a r g u e. It's one of the oldest breeds, and they say it looks it's related to kind of this prehistoric horse, and it's born dark, but it gets white over time, and it looked really similar. I don't know if it's the same kind of horse, but it, it, the same color patterns and stuff, and it was just really cool to see that. But the foreshadowing things, I thought it was really interesting, and mm -hmm. I, I didn't get to look and see because he mentions Gemini specifically, and I meant to actually go into my treasure trove of symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to say like, what well, you know, what what's up with with Gemini in particular? You know, the the use of that specific phrase uh, more than just simply to talk about twins. There's, yeah, they're similar twins, I think. Of course, but I, I didn't know if there was something something more, or if when I found out later that it also had to do with this cult and you know voodoo and stuff, that maybe mm -hmm. it kind of played into some of the sim symbolism with that. Yeah, but, you know the, the the twins. You know they had the weird sped up demon voices. Which I thought was bizarre. <laughs> Again, without knowing that there was supposed to be some other kind of stuff in there, but their <laughs> their eyebrows, man, their eyebrows, they, they reminded me. Being you know, being the the antagonist in the film, they reminded me of antagonist uh, creatures and monsters from early black and white films. They were big on like eyebrow stuff, like as yeah. though that was some kind of like Nosferatu. Uh, Dr. Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde, even the original Edison's Frankenstein, all of them had e even um, uh, early test makeup for Reagan in The Exorcist. All of them had huge eyebrows. Hmm. So when I saw those guys, as goofy as it looked, uh, I thought it was, uh, and I don't know what this this black paint or whatever that they had on their head, I don't know if that was supposed to symbolize maybe yeah, part of smudge. a cult-like thing because i think the the film was originally supposed to be called something the ritual or something it okay. almost reminded me of ash wednesday yeah yeah like a smudge the the smudge on that you know i don't yeah i know there are other religions that that do kind of ceremonies that involve smudges on foreheads but that was a weird it was a weird thing what did the uh the killers laughs who did that remind you of I don't know, like Jigsaw or something, or the. Um... I kept thinking of uh, Motley the Dog, from uh, the oh, Dirt yeah, Dastardly well, cartoons. Yeah, those old <laughs> cartoons. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> they sounded weird. Oh yeah, they did. Weird. And Kennedy too. I I liked Kennedy. I liked his, the way he played his role, but they couldn't say no to him since they got him. But I thought it was a little bit risky considering he was just coming off of airplane. And I'm not sure that you could see him in a non-comedic role mm -hmm. that close to airplane. I mean, it's hard to take him seriously. And plus he's talking to a horse. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it's easy for me to watch it now, but I think back then it may have distracted me quite a bit. I can imagine that. In fact, I kept wondering, I'm like, I recognize this guy from somewhere, you know, I think it was naked gun. But when I went back to IMDb and I'm looking at the names and stuff, I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I've seen this guy on a bazillion things, man. Um, and so he's, he's been all over the place. And I kind of wondered about him a little bit. Like some of my favorite scenes for the cinematography involved him, like the, the one where it's out in the woods at night and you have the moon just, just glistening off of the, the creek. Yeah. I mean, that's just beautiful. And, and the horse goes, and I, I love the transition too, because he, I was anticipating that he would just kind of walk across the skyline, right? And that exit the scene and you would just kind of 
go in and blurry up the, the stuff. And instead he comes walking right down with that horse, right through the center, this, this pale white horse, right through the center and stirs up all the, the sheets of water. <laughs> right? So he stirs up all the water and, uh, and, and as it's stirring it up, I started noticing the color change. And then very subtly, I was like, that's like blood red. And then Dawn behind him. And I said, what, what a genius move. That was so good. I don't understand why he didn't, Jeff Lieberman didn't end up just knocking it out of the park with some big success after that. He, he did some really brilliant shit back then. And, and this movie, I mean, to me, it just, he, he should have at least, if not made it huge, at least directed a major horror movie at some point in the eighties. I don't, I don't get it. Maybe, uh, well, you know, I, I, Universal was originally going to pick up the, pick this one up. I wonder if things would have turned out way different for him if they had. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that they, if, if a major company had taken a hold of this, that they may have killed it with a soundtrack. I just love the nature, uh, just kind of encompassing all yeah. and, and taking over the flick. It makes you feel like you can't get away from it. Not only that, but they could have killed it with a lot of things. They could have been like, well, hey, we need to take a look at Halloween, the success of Halloween, the success of Friday the 13th. We need to do something more similar to that. Yeah, and maybe they, instead of, you know, Deborah Benson, they end up getting, you know, PJ Souls or something just because she was in <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Or, or someone who looks like her. And, yeah. And talks like her, totally. <laughs> but the, uh, we got to talk about the end, man. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I did not see that coming, man. I... I was so happy to see her <laughs> shoving and punching that dude in the throat right down you, his you, gullet, man. You're never going to think of fisting quite the same way again. Oh, I try not to think of fisting anyway. Man. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh. Yeah. It was the ultimate power move by a woman. It, it, was, it was unbelievable. Ultimate. Yeah. It was did, did one it, of my favorite, other than like, uh, Corey Feldman in uh, Friday Four. Four. It was one of my favorite, if not my favorite, now uh, demise of the killer. It mm -hmm. was great. It's so memorable. Did either of you think at the end that maybe it was the sister? That dude was like, you know, double D in it like crazy. I mean, he was very well endowed, right? The man who played the part. And he played a number of, of parts that are probably very similar to that. But but um, originally, I thought it was the sister, the girl, the one singing by the, the, the waterfall, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a, a nymph or styled figure, like a, you know, a, attracting everybody to the situation. And then being and surrounded by, yeah, fleeing and then being surrounded by death, right? Yeah. So you're bringing them in, wooing them a little bit, even with her ridiculous makeup, which was a hilarious scene, you know, but I, I kind of wondered because they, one of the guys, it was Jonathan says, Hey, is that your sister? And she goes, that's my mom kind yeah. of thing, you know, and plays it off. And then I saw it. I'm like, I kind of, you know. To a young mom, I mean, maybe she was eight years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she had to be pretty darn young. She's looking, you know, pretty ripe. <laughs> but uh, that was my first thought. But I'll tell you, not only the scene. Okay, so you, you got the scene with the fist down the throat, which is crazy. And I didn't expect that because so far, the deaths were all kind of, I mean, they were weird. But they, mm -hmm. were, they weren't extraordinary. You know, it was yeah. nothing. I mean, yeah, I mean, she had it halfway down her forearm into the throat. Yeah. And gurgling coming out is pretty gross. But you have the scene where the serrated 
knife, you know, you have the prostate exam, you have the, the fist in the throat, and then you've got that crazy scene leading up to that with the other twin where she climbs up the, the tree, right? And she gets up there and I thought he was going to hack her leg. I thought it was, you know, the, the back of that leg kind of like mm -hmm. the kid from uh pet cemetery. pet cemetery yeah yeah we're just talking about that <laughs> i'm still checking under cars man so like um you know the thing is though is that i wasn't anticipating him trying to cut the tree down mm -hmm. and and that that constant donk 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 mm -hmm. i mean it was the the timing the spacing between those swings and that looking up with that face and then blowing the whistle as it's coming down. I was like, man, dude, like this is so good. And I thought she was, I thought she was a goner. I mean, back flat to the ground. Oh yeah. I said, man, I've seen man from snowy river, dude, that dad didn't fare too well. So this lady's <laughs> got to be just go a goner, but she wasn't, you know, and his death, the death of that one, you know, that was like the, the moment kind of the, the rifleman moment, you know, shooting him. So that, that death wasn't so crazy, but the lead up that your thinking is going to result in her possibly dying combined with the fist down the throat combined with the serrated blade. I said, well, man, only, he's yeah, crazy. No, it, it's just insane. Not, not only that, but I mean, while she was uh, getting bear hugged by the unibrow demon and <laughs> her pussy boyfriend is just like, what was up with that? Yeah. I mean, I know he was stabbed, but come on. You know, yeah, he he, yeah, he yeah. wasn't even trying. He was just like watching, back, just like watching. And she's dying. Yeah. She's getting yeah. killed, man. He's not even. And <laughs> the only thing I can think of is, you know, there was some foreshadowing toward the beginning where the guys play a joke and they jump out of the woods and mm -hmm. she gets disturbed by that. And she talks about how she just, she she was disturbed by the fact that she didn't respond and that she acted like a, a quote unquote scared baby. Yeah. And then she redeems herself at the end, big time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Total badass. And then now who's the scared baby? To the point where he's like crawling toward her and then like just sobbing. And yeah. I, I understand under real circumstances, a man or woman would probably act like that, just be in hysterics. Mm -hmm. But this is a movie, you know, so mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what the filmmaker was trying to say with that. I mean, we already saw her as being a super powerful woman. Mm -hmm. I kind of saw her like that the whole way. She just had this demeanor about her. Yeah, she, was, she was boss. Yeah. 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 But then yeah. to have this guy, I, he just he lost it at the end. He couldn't do it. He couldn't function or anything. Uh, She's breaking up weird. with him real quick, dude. Like the, yeah, their it's relationship, over, buddy. It's, it's over, dude. She, he'll, yeah. they could never stay together after that. Never. She'd yeah. be like, bro, you stood there. And there was some weird sensual overtone, like undercurrents. I Man, it was a, it was another reviewer. His name was uh, Pizowell. I'm, I'm hoping P I Z O W E L L. It's a pretty good review. Actually, I think he's got two of them on this. He has one for the Blu ray and one for another one, but really good, really good, cool channel, actually. And he brought up something that I thought too is that that final scene with the fist in the throat and stuff, the way she was moving and the way the whole thing was kind of going down, that there was kind of a sexual undercurrent. And then when she stands up and she's got the Dukes on, the Daisy Dukes, again, she got the Daisy Dukes on. Wow. Right. 
It's true. It's I, I miss the style. She does, but she, you know, man. she does. She's she's yeah. sporting it, but she stands up like all like super super sexy, right? And she stands up and she kind of looks over at the boyfriend who's on the ground whimpering like a baby, right? Totally scared out of his mind, traumatized to the point where he's paralyzed, which is what she complained about that she was like paralyzed. She couldn't even reach for the knife, right? She couldn't even do that. And she stands there and the camera, as she's coming up, the camera comes up and then it just fixates on her belly with that nice knot. You know, she's got that cool style where they kind of knot in the front and stuff mm-hmm. and her dukes and everything and those thighs. And it just stops. Like it doesn't go up and like show her face. It just goes and it stays there for like, and I said, okay, come on, man. Like, yeah, is there some kind of undercurrent here? So I was glad that the Pizzawell brought that up. Plus, plus she just got done fisting someone. (laughs) (laughs) She did get stronger and stronger as the movie went on. You can see some, some hints early on though. I like the, the juxtaposition too, where you've got like the, the dude who's who seems like he's kind of running the show because hey he's but all he knows about about nature is that he he was left a deed you know so he's just going to go up there and party that that's all he knows about nature and, and she talks about you know she's like a rock climber or something like mm-hmm. that so yeah. you can just tell that she's she's kind of for real from the beginning and all these other ones who are with her are just kind of along for the ride and playing you know, playing it up that they know what they're doing mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I just I love her character she gets stronger and stronger and. That's about as powerful an ending as, as I have ever seen in a in a horror movie. So Jeremiah, what are your what are your overall thoughts, including a, a rating for just before dawn? Um, from the get-go, I was I was in. I liked it a lot, actually, the first 10 minutes. And so I knew from the beginning that it wasn't gonna be very difficult to stick with the movie. I thought there were only certain parts. That I was like, you know, that's a little bit cheesy or that's a little bit overboard. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad they were there a little bit. Like when they tumbled down the hill. I mean, that was like super dangerous. I mean, you're talking snapping necks and stuff, man. Yeah. You know, one person's like, forget this. I'm not going down this crazy deep hill. Uh, going, doing the step, the stairs technique kind of to the side, the safe way. And just tumbles just boom, 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 all the way down. And the other people are like, that looks fun. Blur. And they do. And we're talking like really long tumbles. I mean, it's huge. <laughs> and you're like, and they're tumbling over head over heels like this, man, like, like tumbleweeds. <laughs> and I said, dude, there's so many broken bones in this. Like I was definitely a stunt person doing this. And, and I said, I'm like, oh boy, I'm going slow down that hill. And so that yeah, was a little bit tacky. The scene, you know, about them taking the guy seriously about helping him out. I thought that was a little bit tacky, but it was okay, actually. Like I, it didn't, it didn't bother me at all. I didn't feel like any of the characters, even the, even the yokel locals, man, they were in there, didn't bother me. Like I know that could the movie have done without them, maybe, but I'm kind of glad they were there. I mean, it almost would be a spinoff. You could say like, what's what's up with them? You know, like, mm-hmm. w- what's the background between this crazy inbred family type thing? I thought that they were great for what they were doing. Oftentimes, you see a movie like that, and they're just like, like they looked authentic. I hate to say yeah. it, but they looked like they're not actors. Like this is really like the people that they chose the outfits, like the woman with the, you know, her breasts all mashed down by her dress and everything uh, that's too small for her and her hair and, and everything. It, it, they were look believable. They didn't look like uh, caricatures of redneck people. Their IMDB says they've only been in this movie. 
Okay, so they probably won't. They, they might have. They might have been mountain people. <laughs> you know, they might be mountain people for real, bro. <laughs> you know, they may not have known a movie was going on. Uh, you know, but like, but you know, so there's that, and I have kids, and I like watching movies with kids, and I'm kind of the conscientious guy, and so I I don't like watching too many movies with a bunch of you know, boobs and stuff. Um, we mentioned that in uh, Where Rooster. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I, I don't mind watching it. We watch it so that other people don't have to. But with this one, I felt that I, I go to IMDb and I checked out their parental guide or whatever for this. And uh, somewhere else it was talking about there's one scene and you can't really tell. That's not true. Okay. You can definitely tell. Okay. But at the same time, I it was believable not gratuitous it didn't and, and if people want to know it's i think it's between like 30 and 35 minutes and you know so if, if you're referring to her breasts when we're going yeah when her breasts are showing she's skinny they're skinny she's skinny dipping right um yeah. he's in his whitey tighties i thought we were going to have a, a were rooster moment with him when he turned around after jumping in his whiteies. i was like oh dude there's going to be another one of these but <laughs> another dong fest uh, you know but the thing is is like even that it was it was good. It was perfectly fine. And so if people want to know, you know, there's a, I think timestamps like 30 to 35 minutes and they would miss out if they skipped over it, they would miss out on a really great scene where the fondling one where it's under the water and it's not the boyfriend and the boyfriend pops up, you know, mm -hmm. that's a, a, a amazing scene, but overall, man, like the ending, everything, the killings, the bad guy, the crazy locals, the foreshadowing, the cool cinematography, the good acting, the the music that was like these natural sounds plus man they had they had blondie in there you know oh yeah i was shocked heart, by that yeah, yeah. Heart, of glass. heart of glass yeah heart yeah. of glass dude loved it man like i was like oh my gosh this takes me back i never I'm realized how much she looked like taylor swift but you know the thing is is that overall definitely definitely enjoyed it um very few things that i would say well yeah that's kind of a crappy scene or whatever and I'd say 4.5. That'd be my rating for wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Well, but you got to remember, I don't have a lot to compare it to. And so for me, yeah. somebody somebody may watch this and say, dude, you gave it a 4.5. And I'd say, yes, I would encourage other people to watch it. Most other people I know, though, have seen a lot of slasher movies. So they might be like, you're in, you know. But I, I liked it. And I was scared by it. And I loved having the lights off and spooking myself and biting my nails. And so, yes, dude, I, I would give it that. And I think that people should go and they should watch it if they want to watch a smart, well-acted, scary movie with original kill scenes in it and hardly any and no wildly inappropriate skin. That's what I'd say. What about you, Chad? Um, I'm so glad that Dan turned us onto this one because I just I already said that I like it better than Friday the thirteenth. I mean I like the the idea of Jason when he once he gets his you know mask and stuff or or pillowcase. Um I, I love those movies. Um a lot of great moments. But at least for the first Friday, I think this is I just I just enjoyed this more. And and it's in it's one of my favorite slashers now for sure. I mean it, it beats so many out there that that I've seen, I've been revisiting and watching ones that I've been meaning to watch since like 84, 85, um, and just never got around to it. And they're not good, man. There's a lot of them, but they're not good. But 
like I said earlier, I can watch a movie from that era in that genre and just really enjoy it anyway. But mm-hmm. this one was different, and I think it's it has everything to do with everything that I've already mentioned that I that I thought was a unique, uh, different take and surprised me in many different areas. I gave it a three point seven five because I'm docking <laughs> I'm docking a quarter point for the eyebrows and the laugh. <laughs> you pulled a, a three point seven five. If I ever double if I ever done the decimal with two after it, man, you you just last episode you're like, you and your decimal system. Yeah, that's like, because and then that's you say three point seven five. <laughs> That's because I break down mine down. <laughs> I break mine down into quarters. You're like, oh. I'll give it a three point eight nine. Like what? what? No, I'll give, okay, I gave it two point three. I gave it. Yeah, I gave. I gave it two point three. To wear a rooster, but that's because two point two sucks. I that just the number bothers me a little <laughs> okay. bit. Okay. Well, I yeah, a three point seven five. I'm docking uh, a quarter of a star for the eyebrows and the uh the laugh that i didn't quite understand but i mean it, it's it's a I, I mean if we're talking about slashers and it's just i have to only rate slashers it's an easy four no matter what and i would highly recommend anybody who likes slasher movies or 80s uh 80s horror 80s thriller or any kind of backwoods stuff um yeah for sure. I, I highly recommend it. So what about yourself, Dan? Yeah, I, I think I would probably give it two different ratings uh, based on who's watching it. I, I think if you're, you're a general horror fan, it probably falls somewhere in the three and a half to four star range. If you are uh, a slasher fan, I think it's it's a must see. It, it's probably in the four and a half star range. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably in that maybe not in the top three, but probably, uh, you know, the top five uh slashers of all time honestly it's just a really great movie yeah and if you're and if you're someone like me who hasn't seen jack right <laughs> then, then it's definitely definitely 5.2 yeah 5.2 <laughs> man yeah get you that, that's good man yeah yeah it's a good movie though man and i'm so glad i, I, I liked am, it oh my gosh like it yeah. you know and it was so cool because you know, I hadn't, I, to be honest, I hadn't heard of any of those. Now, I've heard of a lot of movies that I just haven't seen, right? Or I, I've seen the previews or I've seen them in pictures and posters and shirts. But these ones, the ones you proposed, I was like, man, I'm like, some of these might be a little obscure. Like, where are we going to find these things? And and it is it is hard to find this one, um, mm-hmm. you know, but you, people can even go online and stuff. It's in parts and everything. But, they, you know, it's so good. And to find something that you'd never heard of. And that you just didn't know what you were getting into and you watch it or you kind of have an idea about, well, it's just going to be blood all over the place and it's going to be this and that and it ends up being smart. And it and and just the dialogue, everything. I just said, man, I said, this is really just I I definitely had a really great time. I'm so glad and I'm glad is that it- you came on the show, man. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad I was here. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Jeremiah, was there was there anything that while watching the movie after you were done that you felt like I could really apply this in my life, man? I could really just I, I learned a lot. Yeah, dude. Actually, I uh you know, if I was ever in the woods and I see this super hot chick, you know, singing down by a waterfall and everything, and I see her later, you know, hiding behind bushes and stuff, and I go running up to her, 
I don't care how hot she is, dude. If she has makeup smudged on the way this girl did, dude, I am booking. <laughs> like, I'll be like, look, I don't know what's going on with you, but you know, you look like a serial killer. And so I think I'm, I think I'm out of town because the, her makeup man was totally jacked. And, uh, and it's so sad, dude, that she's a butterface like that because in all reality, dude, she's a gorgeous girl, but that makeup, it's like, it, you know, it's an innocent thing. I might be able to make excuses to get out of that position and make an, you know, an exception, <laughs> but it's unlikely I'd have to be as drunk as the dude in the beginning. But yeah, so that's, that's my moral man is uh, stay away from girls who put on makeup like serial killers. Um, what's your moral there, man? I learned that it's not a good idea to try and make friends with anyone who has big eyebrows because <laughs> behind the scenes, they're, they're probably up to no good killing people, <laughs> stealing whistles and stuff. <laughs> you should probably just stay away from that. <laughs> Stealing whistles, dude. Where did you even think? <laughs> I'm just imagining the type of person. Because I can imagine the person with the bushy eyebrows, dude. Yeah. And sitting there and like in private, they're looking over at the desk and they're like, dude, look at that whistle. And it's looking pretty dope. That kazoo over there. <laughs> you know, like, what? <laughs> Who are these people in your life, Chad? That's what they do. Stay away from them. Well, this has been a lot of fun, boys. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank Dan for coming on. Um, He's one of the people that I had written down on a a list. One of the first people that I had finally got around to asking him. And I'm glad that he was able to hang out with us and and turn us on to an awesome movie. Yeah, man. Absolutely, uh, man. Yeah. Jeremiah, I want you to tell everybody where they can go and subscribe and all that kind of stuff or, or watch us or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and even our Gmail. It's all the same. We've made it super, super easy to find us and uh, to send us emails and suggestions, movie reviews, music suggestions, everything, all of that stuff you can send to paleo cheese at gmail.com or find us at paleo cheese on any of those different social mediums. Um, also, I want to say this before we, we leave. I want to encourage people. Go check out uh, Dan's website. It's at D-A-N-P-A-D-A-V-O-N-A dot com. And you can go see his official website of Thriller Author. Find out all about him. He's got a whole bunch of really cool stuff there. And you can see the different things that he's written and even his bio and read about the Renaissance Fair and his wife and other things that we never we never eventually got to to get around to talking about. But it's all there. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course, man. Hey, everybody, it's Kevin Goatee. It's Kevin Israel. And you're listening to Gutting the Sacred Cow on the Project Entertainment Network. Hey, Kevin, what exactly is Gutting the Sacred Cow? Gutting the Sacred Cow is a podcast where we invite comedians and talented people every episode to come on and trash a movie that you probably love or someone you know loves. That's right. We've trashed, but we, our guests, have trashed such films as Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Gone with the Wind, Grease, even Star Wars. Can you imagine the balls on that guy? Did he succeed? I cannot. Yeah. Well, listen, and you'll find out. But this is Kevin Goatee and Kevin Israel for Gutting the Sacred Cow.